If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Roman, Romans chapter number 8. Romans chapter number 8. We've been going through the book of Romans, and uh, to be honest, when I started Romans chapter number 8, I was a little bit, um, I don't know, maybe intimidated, maybe the right word. It just seems like such a great chapter, and uh, when I first started, I, I felt like, boy, there was just so much information in it, but uh, I thank the Lord for uh, the little bit that we've gone through and we've been able to study in it. And, uh, and, and I hope and pray that it's been a blessing and a help to you. And as I was going through, uh, I, I don't know how I did this. Well, I do know how I did it. I accidentally left out verse number 11 from last week. So uh, we will we'll kind of cover a little bit of that. I, uh, I usually break up things into paragraphs, and I don't know how I missed that that would be with the paragraph. And sometimes, you know, we don't have accurate paragraph markings. Um, and there's many, some Bibles in my Bible... Not this one. I thought I'd seen a paragraph mark this morning in one of my texts, but it must be it was a different one of my, one of my other Bibles. I have several Bibles, and, and several of them mark the paragraphs different. And, uh, and I've compared and compared, and I, I don't know who has the more accurate markings, and sometimes it is to tell and uh, where a paragraph starts and where a paragraph ends. And, and so, uh, nonetheless, verse 11 got left out last week. And so we're going to pick up at verse number 11 and cover that, though I really feel it goes better with the text that we covered last year or last week and the outline that we covered last week. And so we will uh, kind of pin that to last week's message, and then we'll dive into to chapter or verse number 12, uh, down through 17 this evening, and, uh, and cover that section of text. So, uh, Romans chapter 8 and verse number 11, the Bible says, But if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the, from the dead dwell in you, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify of, your, of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For if ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. And let's stop right there. And let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you just for your goodness to us. Thank you again, Father, for the opportunity, the privilege that we have to be in your house and to hear, uh, to gather around your word, Father, and, and to worship and sing songs that would praise your name and to take time, Father, to pause and to look into your word and to contemplate and, and, and look at what it says, Father. God, I pray that you would use me. I pray, Father, that you'd speak through me. I pray that you would touch each and every person that's here tonight and, and listening online or other, whatever means that they're able to listen. God, I pray that you would bless them and give us understanding. And uh, we'll thank you for that. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. 
In verse number 11, I want to go back and just kind of, as I said, tag that onto our last week's lesson. Uh, and you'll remember that last week, really, uh, he ended Romans chapter 7 with the question in verse number 24. He says, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? And then he goes on in Romans chapter 8, and he explains how that we have that spirit. And, uh, and he goes through walking in the spirit, that we should be walking in the spirit. We should not be carnally minded. And verse number 11 uh, goes right along with that. And he says, but if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. And, uh, and so as we look back to that whole section that we saw, we saw uh, that Jesus Christ would deliver us from that, uh, the body of sin through salvation and the Spirit of God would deliver us as we walk in the Spirit. And, uh, and we can see here as well that that is all part of that, that the Spirit uh, that does dwell in us, uh, that raised up God from the dead or God that raised up Jesus from the dead. And that's an interesting topic too, um, because if you say, well, who raised up Jesus from the dead? And somebody might say, well, God did, and he would be right. And somebody else might say, the Holy Spirit did, and he would be right. And then somebody would say, well, Jesus raised himself, and he would be absolutely right. Uh, and there's Bible verses that prove every one of them. And so uh, what's going on? Well, it's the Trinity, and, and they all work together, and they are one, and they are separate in and of themselves. And it's just an interesting topic to look at, but we're not going to look at that tonight. All right, but, uh, but indeed, God raised up the Spirit. Um, Jesus from the dead, and then he goes on and he says there in verse number 11, uh, he that raised Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. And, uh, and God will quicken us. What does that word quicken mean? We looked at it before, but we'll uh, give you the definition again. Quicken simply means to make alive, to... Um, Vivify, I think I said that right. I have a hard time pronouncing some of these words sometimes because I know Spanish, so it just messes up my English. But, uh, but it means to make alive, basically. And so uh, in salvation, we are made alive. And, uh, and he says, listen, our mortal bodies, he just talked about that in chapter 7. He said our, our mortal bodies are corrupt. They're sinful. They're low down good-for-nothing flesh that we battle against every day. But praise the Lord, because the Spirit dwells within us, He helps us, He quickens us, He enables us to be able to live right and walk in the Spirit. Uh, and that's what he's basically saying, that, hey, we are quickened by the Spirit of God that dwells within us, and He is able to help us and strengthen us and enable us to be able to do what is right in our life. So that all goes with the previous uh, verses that we've looked at and that we've covered. And so verse 12 down through uh, at least verse 13, I want us to see our indebtedness. Uh, look with me at verse number 12. He says this, Therefore, brethren, let me stop right there, and every time you see a therefore in the scripture, you have to look back and see what it is there for. Now, because we've already, we just covered all this, but the Holy Spirit dwells within us and he strengthens us and he enables us to do what is right. So therefore, because of that, he says, therefore, brethren, we are debtors 
not to the flesh to live after the flesh. Uh, I find it interesting that he said, uh, he doesn't say we are not indebted to the flesh. He says we are debtors. Matter of fact, we are. Now, what is, what is a debtor? Um, a debtor is simply this, a person who owes another either money, goods, or services. And he says here in verse number 12, he said, Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, comma, not to the flesh. We are not indebted to our flesh by any stretch of the imagination. Our flesh will desire us to do things. Matter of fact, uh, in the auditorium, everyone take a big whiff. You smell that? My, my sniffer is about nah, 80, 90%. I haven't fully recovered my scent yet, but I can still smell the food over there. And your flesh is saying, feed me. I want to go over there. Your tummy is grumbling. You're, you're saying, man, I, I want to go over there. Uh, but listen, hey, we're not indebted to the flesh. Oh, man, I could preach till 9 o'clock. I'm just kidding. I'm not going to do that. I wouldn't do that to you. But, uh, but we're not indebted to our flesh. And we don't have to obey the flesh in the lusts that it has. Uh, J. Vernon McGee, he wrote it this way. I kind of like, I have his commentary and I've listened to him so much on the radio that when I read his commentary, I hear his voice in my head. And he said it this way. He said, my friend, the flesh, and we all have it, is a low down, dirty rascal and we don't owe it anything. That's very true. Hey, we don't owe anything to our flesh. Sometimes we feel like we, we do owe our flesh something, but he's very clear in this verse that we are not indebted to our flesh. The Bible says in Galatians 5.19, Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulence, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. And can I tell you this evening that, listen, you don't owe your flesh any of that. Your flesh may desire that, and, and, uh, and, and it will. I mean, that's what our flesh is. But we don't owe our flesh anything. But I like the fact that Paul stopped short of saying we are not indebted to anything. And he said we are debtors. And what are we debtors to? Uh, look back with me in Romans. Well, let's just go to, to verse 8. We'll go back here in a minute. But look with me in verse number 8. He says, therefore, or there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. You know what we are indebted to do? We are indebted to walk in the spirit. And God commands us to do that. Now, you're not, I said this last week and I'll say it again, we are not earning our salvation by walking in the Spirit. If you don't walk in the Spirit, you will, and you are saved and you are born again, when you die, you will go to heaven. We're not talking about eternal security here. But we're talking about uh, living a life that is pleasing to God. And we find that, uh, hey, we are debtors to walk in the Spirit. Matter of fact, we are commanded to walk in the Spirit several times. The Bible says in Galatians 5.16, he says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. He goes on in that same chapter, down around verse 25, and he says, If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. 
And so we do have a, uh, an indebtedness to God to walk in the Spirit. I've used this illustration a few times, and uh, if you were uh, walking across the street, and, and it's probably far less likely to happen here in the States, but it was very likely to happen in Peru. If you were walking across the street, and you were about to get run over by a bus, and somebody comes and, and pushes you out of the way, and, and they get run over by that bus, and you, you make it, they pushed you out of the way, and you don't get run over by that bus. You would say, man, I, I could have died. I, I need to help that guy's family. I need to, there's something that I need to do for those, that person that saved my life because they just, they just took my punishment. I should have been run over by a bus, but instead they were run over by a bus. Man, I, I've got to do something. You would feel a great amount of debt on your shoulders to be able to help that family or repay that man or, or do something uh, to be able to honor that person that had saved your life physically. Listen, how much greater is the salvation that Jesus Christ paid through the cross of Calvary? I mean, He took every bit of our sin. He took every bit of our shame. He took every bit of it upon Himself, every bit of our punishment, and He bore it upon Himself on the cross of Calvary. And to me, I say, hey, uh, I, I don't owe my flesh anything because Jesus Christ saved me from the damnation of my flesh, but I do owe Jesus Christ a great deal. And if he asks me to walk in the flesh, hey, I want to do what I can to serve my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, because he did pay a great debt for my salvation. And so we do have a, an indebtedness to walk in the Spirit as it has been commanded. Go with me back to Romans chapter number 1. In verse number 14, not only are we indebted to walk in the Spirit, but I believe also that firmly, as Paul would say in Romans chapter number 1, uh, in verse number 14, Paul counted himself as a debtor. And look at what he says in Romans 1.14. He says, I am a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise, so much as in me is... I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. You know what Paul said? He said, I'm indebted to witness to the world. He said both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise, I'm indebted to make sure that the gospel gets to this lost and dying world. By the way, you look at the life of the Apostle Paul, it's very clear that he took that as his personal debt uh, to the world. And that's why, I mean, you look at him, he travels all around and he's going place to place to place to place, preaching the gospel and trying to win people for the cause of Christ. Why? Because he felt it was his debt to the world. And listen, it is our debt. Because Jesus Christ said, Go ye therefore into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And we have a responsibility to be a witness and a beacon and a light to everywhere in the world. You cannot, I, I, I learned a long time ago when, uh, when we were doing visits for church. And, uh, and I went up to a house and, and I knocked on the door and, and I was new and I probably was a teenager and, and I said, yeah, is, is so-and-so here? And, uh, and they said, no, they, they don't live here. And I said, okay, thank you. And I went back to the car 
And, uh, and I left, and, and I got in the car, and, and whoever was with me, it might have been my dad, and, and my dad said, um, they, they said, he said this, he said, I have something to tell you, you can't ro- knock on the wrong door when you're out visiting. <laughs> I said, oh, <laughs> I, I, was a, I was a nervous, shy teenager, and, and I, I didn't know, you know, but, but I've always thought of that. You can't rock, knock on the wrong door. You can't give the, a gospel tract to the wrong person. You can't witness to the wrong person. You say, what if they're saved? Praise the Lord. Maybe it'll spur them to witness to somebody else. I mean, really, in your lifetime, think about it. How many times has somebody come up to you and given you a gospel tract? I mean, how many times has it happened? It doesn't ha- I mean, if it happened, I don't remember uh, hardly ever somebody coming and knocking on my door, even after I've been saved, to tell me about Jesus Christ. Now, the JWs have been by a couple times. But the Bible believe in Christians? Maybe once, maybe twice. It just doesn't happen. Uh, and we have a great debt to get the gospel to the lost and dying world, and, uh, and, and we ought to take that upon ourselves. So he says here in Romans chapter 8 and verse number 12, he says, Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. In other words, we don't owe anything to our flesh, but we owe to Jesus Christ a great deal. And we are debtors to Him. And he goes on in verse number 13 and he says, uh, For if we live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. Now I want to stop here and I just want to explain this verse really quick so that we're very clear on this. He says in, in verse number 13, For if, okay, so that he's doing a comparative statement here. And he says, If ye live after the flesh... Ye shall die. I want to say this, that die and life in verse number 13 are not eternal. If he's talking about eternal in death, if he's talking about the first, etern- the first one, so go in, in the first phrase, for if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. If you are, as a Christian live after the flesh and you take that as eternal death and damnation in hell, then you have a problem because the second part of the verse says, uh, but if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. And if that's eternal life, then there's a problem problem with that because that is a works-based salvation. And we know that that's not true. We know that's not true because there's many verses that clearly uh, indicate that, hey, for by grace are ye saved through faith, not that of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. We know that it cannot be a works-based salvation. We understand that. So what is he talking about? He's still talking about the same thing uh, that, hey, if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. I said this last week, and I'll say it again, uh, that even in the Bible, we have, we've seen and we've, we've witnessed places where Christians have passed away. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter number 11, or maybe it was 2 Corinthians chapter number 11, where he's going through uh, the Lord's Supper. And he says that some have taken of the Lord's Supper without examining themselves, and for this reason they sleep. In other words, he's saying that they died. That sleep, it means death. And they died, why? Because they they partake of the Lord's Supper um, being in complete rebellion to the Word of God. 
And saying, well, I know there's things that are wrong in my life, but I'm not going to fix them. But I don't want everyone else to know, so I'm going to take the Lord's Supper anyways. And he said, hey, judgment fell upon them. And they died. They did not lose their salvation, okay? Uh, They simply died physically in the flesh. We see this also in another verse. uh, Genesis chapter 2 and verse number 17. We don't have to go there for sake of time. But you remember when Jesus, or when God in the garden, uh, told Adam and Eve, He said, listen, if you eat of the tree of the knowledge of of, um, righteousness, uh, that's not it, the knowledge of good and evil, that's it. The knowledge of good and evil, he said, you shall die. And you remember the devil came to him and he says, oh, you're not going to die. He tried twisting the words of God. You're not going to die, but your eyes are going to be open. And, and he ate of that fruit and, and you say, and you would expect, well, in verse whatever it is that follows him eating the fruit for him to fall over dead. But he died spiritually. And immediately, he died spiritually, and then immediately, listen, his flesh started to degrade and go downhill. And, and we find he did live 900 years, but at the end, you know what happened? He died. And from that point forward, the Bible says that man is born in this world and man dies. It is a continual thing. And so if we live after the flesh, as the Bible says, ye shall die physically. Now, we're all going to die at some point. But listen, if you live after the flesh, you might drive yourself to an early grave. You could bring that appointment of death upon yourself far sooner than what may come. And so I want us just to be aware of that. That is not talking about eternal security, and it is not talking about eternal life, uh, but it's talking about physical life. And, And so he says, mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. And, uh, and so we find that that is a, a physical life that we are given. And we have no debt to the flesh. So I want us to understand that. Not only that, do we see the, our indebtedness, uh, but I want you to notice as well our inclusion in the family. Look with me at verse number 14. He says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Listen, we're not put into the family of God, again, because of our works. We know that. The Bible says that, and uh, and we've gone over that several times. Uh, But he says here that we are the sons of God. He says, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. I like to kind of equate this chapter and this idea because he deals with it a lot, kind of like the book of James. You know, you read the book of James and he says, uh, you show me your faith without your works and I'll show you my faith by my works. In other words, these things come about as a result of salvation. Salvation does not come about as a result of living in the Spirit. You understand that? Um, those are, they're displayed because we are saved. And, uh, and so we are sons of God uh, because we are saved, and that is displayed when we live and walk in the Spirit. And sometimes people will say, uh, and I've heard them say this, uh, they say, well, we're all the children of God. 
And, and it sounds really nice, but it's really not true. You can't include lost people as the children of God. That's not what the Bible says. It's simply not true. The Bible says in John 1.12, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. And so we understand that, hey, those who receive Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, they are a part of the family. They are sons of God. Uh, and they do become part of that family. And so we can see that very clearly. Look at verse number 15. We see the adoption process that takes place. He said, For, for ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. What a blessing to know that, hey, we've been adopted into the family of God. And I like that this phrase is phrased uh, in, the, in the past tense. He said, received the spirit of adoption. And it is a complete process. And uh, I'm glad, hey, that, that God would allow us to be part of his family. What an amazing process. What an amazing thing. Uh, I read a book many years ago, and I, I don't know that I could find it. I stumbled across another one, but uh, it, said, it said like 13 or 14 things that God would have to undo if you were to lose your salvation. And one of those things was the process of adoption. And, uh, and the fact that, hey, we have been adopted into the family of God. And so that is a, certainly a proof of our salvation and, uh, and a proof of the security of our salvation that, hey, God's not going to undo our adoption. Look at the assurance that he gives us in verse number 16. He says, The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are children of God. I'm glad that the Holy Spirit lives within us. And hey, there's just something about it. Have you ever been, I've been out, I've traveled a lot, and, and I've been to places, and, and sometimes, I, I mean, it's like you just bump into somebody, and it's almost like, man, I, I think that thing, that person might be a Christian. And, and you talk to them, and you find out, well, they are. They're a saved, born-again believer. And, and there's just something about uh, having good fellowship with other people that are saved and born again. There's just... There's just that spirit within you that bears witness. And there's something inside of you that says, hey, you know, they're good people and that's good, uh, that's good fellowship that you have. And that Holy Spirit that dwells within us, He gives us that assurance. I said this before uh, in Romans chapter 8 in our first part, is that, hey, when we sin, that Holy Spirit pricks our heart and says, hey, you're wrong here. That too is a proof of our salvation. Uh, the lost people aren't worried about sin. The lost people don't, con don't uh, fret about it. They don't feel bad about sinning and living in sin. But as a saved person, that Holy Spirit that dwells within you will not allow you to continue in your sin without making it very well known that what you are doing is wrong. Now, whether or not you accept that, and, and submit to that, or whether you say, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what I want to do, that's, that's up to you. But I'm telling you this, that the Holy Spirit will certainly let you know that you've sinned, and that there's that assurance that is given by the Spirit of God. And He's included us 
in his, in his family. So we have our indebtedness uh, to live for Christ. We have the inclusion in the family. But I want you to notice here in verse number 17 as well, the inheritance that we stand to receive. Look with me at verse number 17. He says, and if children, because we are the sons of God, we've been adopted by God, and, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. And listen, and you imagine the inheritance as a believer, and, and you think, man, we, we wait for the, uh, uh, the, to find out what it is that we'll receive. Have you ever, uh, I've never been to a, a reading of a will, but you know, uh, I guess you have to have wealthy people to uh, attend a funeral to find that out. I've never been to one of those, but I hear that's how it's done, is they read the will, they gather the people around, and, and they'll read it, and they'll, they'll say, hey, this person gets this, this person gets that, and, and they kind of find out what, what they're going to receive. Well, in these next few verses, he's very clear. He lays out for us what we do receive. And it's interesting here. Look with me in verse number 17. He says this, And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and join heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be, that we may be also glorified together. Now, isn't that a blessing? We're heirs of suffering. Now, aren't you excited about that? Say, man, I really hoped I got more than that. We're heirs of suffering. Um, but listen, that's the, the suffering. That is the flesh and the spirit. That is the war that we go through on a daily battle. In chapter 7, uh, we noted that, hey, that's a proof of our salvation. Uh, that, that because we battle with our flesh, we understand we are saved. Uh, look at verse number 18. We find out what the perspective is of that suffering. He says, For I reckon that the suffering of this present time, the sufferings of this present time, are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. He's saying, listen, uh, we'll endure in this lifetime the suffering, uh, but listen, it'll be worth it when we step into glory. And we see all that has been availed to us. And yes, we'll suffer in this lifetime. Yes, there'll be hardship. Yes, there'll be tribulation. Go with me to Revelation chapter number 21. Save your spot in Romans. We'll be back here. Revelation chapter number 21. And he gives us a picture of what is to come. Revelation chapter number 21. And verse number 1. Revelation 21, 1. And he says this, he says, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. Verse number four, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, Neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. 
What a blessing. We look forward to that day. No more death. No more sorrow. No more pain. No more suffering. No more tears. I mean, if you could have uh, this life without all of that, hey, that'd be heaven. That's what he's saying. It'll be a wonderful thing. There won't be any separation. Uh, and I look forward to that day. I mean, to be able to, uh, I've got grandparents that are in heaven. Uh, I've got uh, family that's in heaven. And not only that, but man, I look forward honestly to meeting uh, some of the people that we've studied their life. The Apostle Paul and some of the Old Testament prophets and, and Noah and Moses and Enoch, hey, that was translated and he skipped death and went straight to heaven. And Jesus Christ, to be able to see the Lord and Savior face to face. For us, what a, he said, God will be our God and we will be his people and he will be with us forever. What a blessed promise to have that promise and that assurance that we'll be with him for all eternity. Listen, the suffering sin takes a toll on every person. There's no doubt about it, but all of that will eventually be wiped away. Go back with me to Romans chapter number 8. Romans chapter number 8. And look at with me in verse number 20. And we see the suffering because of sin. We're talking about the heirs of suffering. And he goes on in verse number 20. He says, For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who had subjected the same in hope. And sin takes a toll on every person. What is vanity? Let's read that verse again. Vanity is this. Vanity is simply emptiness, want of substance to satisfy desire, uh, or it can't even mean arrogance. But I think it's that first part, that emptiness. He says again, for the creature was subject to vanity, not willing, but by reason of him who has subjected the same in hope. And listen, our life has been affected because of sin. And that's the empty feeling. Those that are lost have an emptiness in their life that can only be filled by Jesus Christ and by the Lord. There is no other way to fill that void. And, and he says, listen, that's on every person uh, before they're saved. That's, that's part of it. Go down to verse number 22. He says this, For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And listen, you know, you know the reason that right now there's weeds growing in my, uh, in my flower beds at my house, besides the fact that I didn't go pull them, okay, telling on myself. You know why there's weeds growing in there? Because of sin. It's part of the curse. Go back with me to Genesis chapter 2 really quick. Genesis chapter 3. Save your spot in Romans. We'll be back here. But, but listen, sin took a toll not only on the people of the world, but on every aspect of creation. And the Bible says here in Romans or Genesis chapter number 3, <clears throat> Genesis 3, it says in verse number 17, this is after they had sinned, and after God has already discovered that, and he, of course, knew it, but, uh, uh, but he, he talks with them. And verse number 17, he says this, And unto Adam, he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree, of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it, cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow thou shalt eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. 
and in the sweat of thy face thou shalt eat bread till thou return unto the ground, for out of it thou wast taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. And so we see that, listen, in creation, even the weeds and the thorns and the thistles are part of the curse. And, uh, and I don't think they would have had that problem before sin. And the Bible clarifies that back in Romans 8, 22. It says, for we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And there's speculation that, uh, that, hey, the animals didn't kill each other and eat each other. Uh, and all of that, uh, I just know that sin has taken a toll on, on you and I personally, but it's taken a toll on the entire world and everything that's created. And so we have to live in this sin-cursed world. And that's part of our suffering. But wait, that's not all. Look with me at verse number, that, that commercial, the salesman. Wait, there's more. The air, the air is not over. Praise the Lord. It's not just suffering that we inherited. And I'm glad that we didn't just inherit suffering because that would be terrible. But look with me in verse number 19. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. And we find that, uh, listen, we wait for more that is to come. Look at that. We'll find that word wait in verse 19. You'll find that word wait in verse 23. And you'll find that word wait in verse 25. Uh, look with me in verse number 23. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. Verse 24, we'll just continue through. For we are saved by hope, by hope that is seen is not hope. But hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. Now, what's he talking about? He's talking about the complete redemption. The completed redemption, I should say it that way. In that here on this earth, we suffer, we battle with sin. Our flesh desires to sin. Uh, the spirit that dwells within us desires to do what is right. And we struggle and we've inherited that, that suffering of that struggle and that battle and that conflict that we have within us. But he says here three times, hey, that we're waiting for the final day of redemption. And what's going to take place? Hey, that our, our body... As we've read in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, uh, this, this mortal must put on immortality. This corruption must put on incorruption. Praise the Lord, our body's going to be changed. We won't have that fight anymore. We won't have that battle with our flesh any longer. And I, I, I can't fathom that, to be honest with you, because I've lived in my body my whole life, and it's always been sinful. And you too, you know the same thing to be true. That listen, we, we, I just can't even wrap my head around it. I can't comprehend uh, living in a, in a body that would not desire sin and wickedness. Man, what a great experience that would be. What a wonderful opportunity. And he said, that's what we are waiting for. That is what we're hoping for. That is what we look forward to, is that day that redemption is complete and that we are completely saved uh, in, in eternity. 
And that's not to say that we, there's people out there that say, well, you grow into your salvation. No, the day you get saved, you are saved, but it is final and completed at the day that your body is transformed and made complete. And so uh, praise the Lord for that inheritance that we look forward to. That, but right now, we have to wait for it. Hey, it's not here yet, but it is coming and, and, and it will arrive, and we need to be patient, as he says, and wait with patience, wait for it. Now, I don't like to wait, and I reckon most people don't. And, but, but yet we have to, because it's not here yet. But Paul said this to young Timothy in 2 Timothy 2, 1 through 3. He said, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, that the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. In other words, hey, in this lifetime, yeah, we'll suffer. Yeah, we've got to put up with the flesh. Yeah, we've got to put up with wickedness. Yeah, we've got to put up with sin of other people uh, that, that, that may in, um, cause pain or cause conflict even within our own life. That's all part of the suffering. Um, imagine, think of this, how Jesus felt, the holy God walking on earth amongst us. And all the sin and how it inflict and, and it, it, he did not have the struggle within him per se. He didn't have a, a sinful flesh like we do, uh, but, but there was sin abounding all around him. And how it must have grieved him and how it must have constantly uh, battered him. And, and so it does affect our lives. But Paul encourages us and he says, hey, while you're waiting for that completed redemption, endure hardness as a good soldier. And put up with it because someday we're going to go home. We won't have to battle anymore. We won't have to worry about that because our inheritance and our redemption will be completed in the day that we step into glory. What a wonderful day. And we're heir of that. That, hey, we'll, we'll receive that as an inheritance uh, from God. What a blessing that we could be saved eternally. What a, what a wonderful salvation. We've received the, uh, we have an indebtedness, no doubt, to walk in the Spirit and to witness, but we have uh, been included in the family of God. What a blessing uh, that we would be called the children of God, that we could be part of the family, and then the, uh, the inheritance that we receive. There's so much more to the inheritance. That's just kind of what the text covered really was our suffering and our battle in this flesh. But the one day that we will be redeemed eternally. What a great day that we'll, be, we'll inherit um, the, the heaven really uh, and the place that God has been preparing for us. What a blessing. With every head bowed and every eye closed as we stand our feet. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for really the great salvation, God, that you've given us. And as we go through the book of Romans, and God, we understand what a marvel, what a wonder, all the things that you've bestowed upon us. God, the Spirit of God that dwells within us, the Spirit of God that assures us of our salvation and of our sonship and of our, uh, of our security. God, what a, what a wonder. What a marvel. 
God, to know that you've given us an inheritance. God, so much greater than really what we could even imagine or think in being redeemed and being changed. God, I pray that you would help each and every person to do our part in the indebtedness and walking in the Spirit and witnessing to other people. And God, what a great amount of work, really, we have to do in a world that's lost and does not know you. Help us to be a witness and help us to walk as you would have us to walk. We'll thank you for it. God, I pray that you'd bless each and every person. Speak to hearts as only you can. In Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. As the piano begins to play, if God spoke in your heart, the altar is open.